Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Believe in Navy Football podcast is brought to you by Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V 5 0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Navy Football Podcast. I'm Bill Wagner from the Capital Set Newspapers in Baltimore Sun. I've been covering Navy athletics for close to 30 years, a uh, longtime beat writer for Navy football. I'm joined by my co-hosts, former Navy football greats, Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds, uh, played in the NFL, each of them. Uh, guys, it's Army-Navy week, and uh, as we tape this podcast on Friday morning, we're 30 hours away from kickoff at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Um I was going to start by asking each of you for your memories of the Army-Navy game. And it's interesting because Coach Niamatololo has been invoking Keenan Reynolds' name when I ask about they have so many young players, including dozens of freshmen, are going to play in this game, Navy does. And also Ty Lavatai, a sophomore quarterback, making his Army-Navy game debut and I was asking about nerves, and Coach Niamat dismissed and said, everyone has nerves in this game. And he used Keenan Reynolds as an example and said, despite all the games that Keenan Reynolds played in his career, his senior year, he expressed nervousness prior to the Army-Navy game. Keenan, is that true? Lies. No, I'm playing. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, I, I definitely, uh, definitely was nervous because you got to think, you know, you're, you're going in as a senior, three and oh. Only thing everybody kept talking about was, you know, you're going to be the only quarterback to be four and oh. You're the only quarterback to be four and oh. You don't want to be the senior class that loses the streak. I mean, there's a lot of things you're thinking about. And, and obviously, when you're talking to uh, the media, you're kind of like, oh, you know, that doesn't matter. We're just here to play. But it is very real. It's very apparent. And it's like all it was like constantly in the back of our mind as we don't want to be the, t- the senior class or the team that relinquishes, you know, 13, 14 years of, of dominance. So um, and, and I think it was it was funny because like Coach Jasper, who is never one to miss words after the game, he was like, why you wait till your last one to play your, he's like, why you wait till your senior year to play your worst, your worst game in Army Navy? Cause like, we just, we kept stalling on offense that year and, you know, made a couple big plays when it mattered, but uh, we definitely should have blown them out. It shouldn't have been close, but uh, you know, 
it's just part of the game. I mean, you, 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 that's like one of the factors that you add in when you think about Army Navy. Everybody always talks about like, oh, you, you throw out the records, but really it's, it's just because like guys just understand the magnitude of the game. They understand how important it is and they're trying to like not make any mistakes. And when you try to play that way, you, you tend to make a lot more mistakes than you should. What was the score of the, your senior year? And is that the game where you had to hit Brandon Turner on the long throw down the sideline to try to clinch it? Is am I remembering that correct, or is was yeah, this you're the game you're about four, you're about uh, three years deeper in the past? That was my freshman year with Brandon Turner. This one was uh, I hit Jameer Tillman for like a, I think it was like forty nine yard TD in the third quarter that we went up twenty one to seventeen, and we held that that lead the entire like that was like. I want to say like mid third quarter, um, mid to late third quarter, and but we held we held that lead off the touchdown from that play on. So um, we really put a lot of pressure on our defense. We made the play when it mattered, but we could have made more plays to like make it a much more comfortable lead. But we just relied on our defense to keep making stops, and they did. Was that like a crossing route to Jameer, if I remember correctly, and he took it in? Yeah, we had we had schemed up some stuff for Army, um, and that that was one of our scheme plays. They brought a blitz off the edge. Pretty sure I got hit in the mouth that play, but you know uh, he was wide open, and Jameer made a great play once once he got the ball. So, Eric Katani, what what were, was your best memory? I mean, I I were you four and zero as well, or I mean, during your oh, yeah. career? I know you probably might not have played in all four Army Navy games, but. Did Navy go 4-0 against Army? I would imagine they did. And what's yeah. your favorite memory? Of course. Yeah. We, were, we were the decade of dominance era. We never lost. Um, we talked about nerves. So I played in three Army-Navy games. Um, I was actually the player of the game my sophomore year. Um, and that's when I was nervous, you know, because I was sophomore, I was young, you know, like these guys not getting much playing time. And, uh, you know, Matt Hall had some issues. And then, uh, you know, Adam Ballard was hurt. So I stepped up uh, as a starting fullback that game with, with Kaipo and you know like phenomenal players. Uh, Reggie Campbell was one of the best running backs that you know I played with. Um, you know we don't talk about much about Reggie Campbell or you know we talk, always talk about Sean White, but Reggie and and, and Zerb Singleton had some amazing roles in those Army Navy games uh, throughout the years. Um, but you know we never lost over the four years. And, you know, some of the games we played were hard fought and some of the games, you know, we knew we were going to dominate. But for this year's game, um, if you want to sh- shift gears, I'm kind of worried, um, you know, about this year. Where I'm not really sure. Uh, guys are completely healthy. Um, Chris, what's your thoughts? What's the, what's the odds right now for the Army Navy game? So it's settled in at seven and a half. Um, as we had talked about off, uh, off air, uh, it had been as high as eight and a half, um, but it's settled in at about seven and a half. The over-under is 35. Yeah, I kind of share your concerns, Eric. Uh, I'm, I'm a little worried, but I, I'm, I guess I'm always worried for this game. Uh, I, I wasn't like you guys. I mean, certainly not playing, but as a fan, we lost three of the four years that I was there. Um, and it sucks. You guys will never know that as a during your time because you, you, you know, won uh, all four games. But Boy, I, I really would like to go into MetLife Stadium and walk out of there with a win. I, I think it would really save, from a fan's perspective, uh, it would save uh, a season that these guys battled through, uh, you know, all year. And Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but the one win was 97 at MetLife Stadium. Is that correct? 
That is correct, Bill. And so I've, I've been invoking that all, all week and everybody that I've, that I've talked to that, you know, hopefully that, you know, playing up at the, uh, what was the old Giant Stadium, you know, playing up there in East Rutherford uh, will bring Navy some good luck. How many times have we played at, at, at New York? Someone asked me that last night, actually. Uh, actually, I wrote an article about this. There has been four previous games at okay. the Meadowlands Complex. The first two were at the old well, no, all three. I'm sorry. No, all of all the four previous were at the Giants Stadium, as what is called. Uh, they have this is the first Army Navy game to be played at MetLife Stadium. That facility opened in 2010. Navy played there, but against Notre Dame. That was the game where Ricky Dobbs and Alexander Teach ran wild, and Navy blew out Notre Dame. And that's actually Coach Niamat has been saying. His last few times up at the Meadowlands were good. He in two thousand and three, Craig Candido scored six touchdowns, and that was the year that Navy went two and ten, won the season opener against SMU, then beat Army in the final game of the season, and it was Paul Johnson's first season. But that's what began the streak. The Craig Candido game in two thousand and three at the old Giants Stadium is what started the long Navy winning streak, the historic winning streak. And so Coach Nehemiah's been saying, yeah, I, I want to get some of that good juju of the 2003 Army-Navy game, that 2010 Notre Dame game. But let's, let's get the good juju from that and bring it in for this one. But what has got you so concerned? You, you think Army's all bad? I was talking last night with some of our brotherhood guys and, you know, you know, brought the strength of schedule we have. You know, we're number one and, Played some phenomenal teams, and you know we're ready to play. Um, it just Army, you know, sometimes like uh, you know, watch the, the games the past couple of years. I'm not sure if it's in our guys' heads, but you know we don't play our best game, you know, against these guys. And I think our if our defense steps up, and you know, more importantly, I think our, our, our fullback steps up, which he's played phenomenal the past you know four or five games. So I really hope that um, you know Ty is the guy and shows up uh, on Saturday. Yeah, well, obviously Army has been dominating the series of late and they've got the better of Navy over the last five years. I think they've won four of the last five or something like that. Keenan, you weigh in on this. You worried? Um, I, I wouldn't say worried per se. I, I think uh, it's going to really depend on the quarterback. If you look at the, the games that we've lost. Okay, the, the game that they stopped the streak, we had a freshman who had never started a game starting the army game. Um, so that, that's the game that they got over the hump and they still should, we still should have beat them. That game. Then I think the next year, uh, was that the snow game the next year where we missed a field goal to win the game or tie the game? Yes. Uh, boring. And yeah. Because so, yeah. Great false start penalties and pushed the field goal back to like 52 yards out of Bennett Mooring's range. And he still almost made it. Right. So, but, but I think about that game, it was, it was really, really, really snowy. Malcolm had like almost 300 yards rushing that game, but we really didn't have anything beyond that. And then 18, I don't really remember much about that game, but the games where we've had like defined quarterback play the entire, like leading up to that game. Like if you look at 2019 and what Malcolm was the guy, they made a decision. He's our guy. We're rocking with them. And then they saw what happened in 2019. 2020, we had some ups, we had some downs. We didn't really know who our quarterback was. 
a lot of different people played. Then we throw X in the mix, who only started a couple games. Then we go up there at, at Mikey Stadium, get shut out. So now we have a guy who has been the guy the entire season when he's healthy. He's played in some big games. He's played in Notre Dame. He's played against. He played since he tough. He's got a couple of wins under his belt. You know, would really. I'm really hoping that all that momentum will help us in this game because we have our guy. He's been playing. So there's no like uh, who's, you know, how's he going to do? You know, we've seen him play like, yes, Army Navy. So people are maybe asking, like, will the pressure get to him? But I was talking to Coach Jasper and one of my points was, you know, he's played in some big games. But ultimately, the the, the, the outcome of this game is going to is going to rely on him and his play. I think we're going to see similar on offense to what Air Force did. I think Army's going to be very, very similar to how they played us. I think they have some a, a stout enough defense to kind of play us the same way. The question is, can we complete passes? Can we can we sustain drives, complete passes? I think on defense, we're going to make stops. It's going to be really tough for Army to score. As long as we don't give them any cheap stuff, you know, punt returns for touchdowns or any trick double passes. Like, that's the kind of stuff that Army usually kind of breaks the game open with is they do this little gimmicky trick play and then that that gets the momentum rolling. So if we can stay disciplined on that front, make them play us straight up, because I don't I think if they have to play us straight up, they won't move the ball well and then actually execute on offense, I think we'll take care of them. But you know, it's gonna come down to tie. I mean that's been kind of the theme throughout this entire season that we've always like talked about keys to the game. Well tie. Like it, it, the formula hasn't changed. The, the scenery may change. The pageantry may change. But the formula is still how well are you going to play, Ty? Are you going to complete passes? Are you going to make your reads? I couldn't agree more with you, Keenan. I, I think that's absolutely the key to victory. Ty has to play well. He is going to have to complete some passes because we know how hard it is to move the ball against Army. It's, you know, two yards here and there. So uh, it's going to be third and six situations. You're going to have to complete a little pass. And we've already said that Navy's incorporated some nice passing elements to the offense, and he's just got to complete them. Against Temple, there was guys running wide open all day, and he just missed them. And then in the second half, he finally started completing some, and that's when Navy pulled away. But just for our listeners, I will recap. Navy's 14-game winning streak, which is historic, nowhere near any – streak like that in the series ever before or after uh however army has won for the last five 2016 is when navy played temple in the american athletic conference championship game will worth got injured and so zach Aby had to make his first career start in the army navy game in baltimore he actually played a lot better than i would have thought he had a long run that set up a touchdown navy lost 21 17 following year as keenan mentioned 2017, that was the snow game when the Army wearing the mountain white uniforms. And that's when Bennett Mooring missed the long field goal at the end. And had there not been two straight false start penalties prior to the field goal, he probably would have made the field goal and Navy would have won. 2018 in Philly, Army wins 17-10. Then the game in which Malcolm played really, really well, went crazy, rushed for almost 300 yards. Navy wins 31-7, and then last year, 15-0, and that game turned on a goal line stand. And that I think the score was 3-0 Army at the time, if I remember correctly. And Xavier Arline ripped off a long run, gets tackled down the like, 10-yard line. Navy ends up first and goal from, like, the three-yard line and can't punch it in. Coach Niamat still says this. He's been saying all 
last couple of weeks, we think we scored. I just watched the tape again, and I don't know how they didn't call it a touchdown. But that would have put Navy ahead 7-3, could easily have changed the tenor of the game, the momentum of the game. So that's how it's gone. Uh, but, you know, Coach Nehemiah gets a little annoyed because for a lot of the times that Navy was beating Army, there was a lot of blowouts in there. There's a 34 nothing in 2008. There's a 38-3 oh, yeah. in 2007. Uh, there's a 42-23, a 42-13, a 34-6. I mean, so during the 14-game winning streak, the Navy put it on Army. And it, during this Army run of four or five, they've never beaten Navy by more than a couple touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It, it's uh, uh, Army is acting like the tide has turned and they are now the dominant team in the Army-Navy game. I guess that pisses you guys off. It's like when you let your little brother win and he thinks he's actually good, but really it's because something you're doing. That's really kind of how I feel. Like, I don't really feel like Army has like a, a, a dominating program. Um, I think a lot of our defeats have been, you know, self-inflicted, but nonetheless, wins are wins, whether it's seven, six or 52 to six, it's still only one win. Right. So, I mean, until we go out and beat them, they can talk as much trash as they want about how they feel about the, the tide has switched. And, and then you look at how we've done in the season versus how they've done. They've been bowl eligible consistently over the last five years. We've been bowl eligible, you know, a handful of times, not like we used to be. So again, I, I get where they're coming from, but as a, as a Navy, as a Navy fan, I kind of look at it as like the little brother who thinks that they're 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 bigger than what they are. Like, and I I think it's time that we put these guys back in their place. You are the 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 the, the, the second tier, third tier service academy in this in this rivalry amongst the service academies, and get this thing back going again. It's a new era for for Army. It's the Coach Munkin era. You know, Coach Munkin was a really good coach at Navy, and he's one that recruited me to become a Navy uh, over the years. And, and I, I know I know personally. You know, he takes his you know, game seriously, more seriously than I don't even know that he is one of the most competitive human beings I've met in my whole life. And you know, this past five years, that's what he's always talking about is you know, is, is beating beating us. Um, I always listen to his interviews as well, and you know, I'm not nervous. I would say for this game, but um, you know, our boys need to step up, and we need to establish dominance again, like Keenan said. Because you know, when I played, you know, we never lost. Same thing with Keenan. And I, you know, I don't like to go to this game and just know that we're going to you know, get it easy. Well, it's supposed to be a rainy day, uh, not real cold, so that it's going to be miserable. But they're definitely the forecast is for some rain. I mean, it's going to be a slog. It's going to be a rock'em, sock'em, uh, two clouds, yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, I, I really envision a low scoring game. I'd like to see Navy pull it out 17, 14, 14, 10, something like that. But. I agree with Keenan's take. I, I, I've, I've seen Brian Newberry at work. Um, he, he, he knows how to defend the option. He has defended Army well in his previous two attempts. I'm confident the defense, despite getting younger and younger every week of the season and going to roll out there with a lot of sophomores and freshmen on Saturday, I'm confident the defense will, will hold Army to a, a reasonable number. It's on the offense to produce. It's on Ty Labatai to make plays. Um, so any last words, Chris Cervello, you want to jump in? Any question for the guys? 
I just was going to ask, you know, from a triple option standpoint, the effect of the weather, um, you know, everybody talks about, oh, the weather, you know, rain or this or that uh, Keenan from a quarterback standpoint, Eric, from a fullback standpoint, I mean, other than maybe the ball being slippery uh, do, does, you know, when you hear rain uh, on Saturday, you know, does that worry you? Well, I should say this, the refs are, are, are always wiping the ball off and, and it also depends on how it's raining. Like if it's a, if it's a light mist, it won't be bad. If it's a torrential downpour type of rain, then that could be a bit annoying. But the, the thing is, triple option, right? It, people always say, like, oh, that kind of benefits us. But the thing is, you have a lot of ball, – the ball's changing hands a lot of times. You know, you got the mesh, and, and Eric can talk about how that affects him as a fullback. But but as a quarterback, when I'm on the perimeter and I need to deal it, the thing is, a lot of times when, when it's time to deal, it's kind of a reactionary play. Like, you're not, like, pre-planning to deal the ball. It's like you're running, running, running. Oh, I got to deal, I deal. So you need that fluidity – from carrying to pitching. And sometimes when you have a slick ball, maybe your thumb slick slips on the back of the ball. And now when you go to pitch, the ball slots right, right out of your hand. Um, you know, those are some things that can be issues or, you know, the, the a back trying to catch the ball, maybe it goes through his hands or maybe when he puts his hands up to catch it, it goes through it, hits him in the chest and hits the ground. Like these are things that are, are could be issues. So, you know, I, I foresee a lot of interior, if it's really bad and really slick, it's going to be a lot of mesh, a lot of in a heavy dose of the fullback and a lot of QB keeps on the perimeter. It's a great question, Chris. I, I never had a problem with the, uh, you know, the rain and snow and stuff like that. I always played better actually. In those conditions, I never wore gloves as a fullback um, just because with that mesh point, I never wanted that uh, my hand to actually get stuck on the ball because uh, the new gloves nowadays, you know, I'm not sure if you, you've worn a pair, but it's like, it's like cheating. It's like once you put your hand on a ball, it sticks to it. So I never wore gloves just to help the quarterback out because I don't want to have that bad mesh that, you know, that they thought I pulled it, you know, this or that. So, you know, it didn't really affect me as a player, but, you know, what Keenan said, 100%, but the ball is always moving hands. So it's, it's going to be an issue. So, Keenan, when you talk about inside game, but th- is that midline option? I mean, would you consider that something if you're talking inside game? Because Navy's runs the midline option pretty well and has this year with Ty. Yeah, it, it, when I say inside, I mean anything involving a fullback, so any type of dive play. Those are pretty straightforward. Like Eric said, I don't – there's really no no fullback that I can remember, like, started and finished games with gloves on. So, like, that interior that, – that mesh will be will be probably the most normal thing ever because once you do, you know, a thousand reps, it doesn't matter. And I guarantee you during, during like, perimeter where, where they practice the mesh, um, I promise you they had a bucket of water and they would they were bathing the, the worst balls, not even the game balls, but, like, the worst, the most fat, slick kicking balls – they were just bathing them in a bucket of water and then handing it right to Ty and saying, go, or handing it to the center and saying, let's go. So, like, they've gotten reps on that mesh. So, it, it could be midline. It could be outside there. It just it doesn't really matter the type of play. But any type of fullback dive in between the tackles is what I consider inside. Um, and that's really where the game lies. And it's crazy because every week we always talk about the fullback, the importance of the fullback. And, like, a lot of times, especially over the last few service academy games, we have not been able to get the fullback going. And when you don't have an effective dive, now on the perimeter, they can play – they don't have to play honest. They can they can kind of play both. The, the, out, the read key can kind of play both. The pitch key can slow play you because everybody's just – they don't have to worry about the interior dive. But when you're gashing them 4, 5, 6, 12, 3, 6, 12, 3, 7, 10 with the fullback – 
now you got everything. So the key is going to lie on making good reads, getting movement on their nose, and uh, ball security, obviously, with the weather. So I had an interesting discussion with Coach Munkin and Coach Nia Matalolo and with Paul Johnson about neither of these teams run a lot of true read triple option anymore. They've really gotten down to a lot of design plays, and they kind of explained to me that it's all based off the option. In other words, you go in there, and the, the opposing defense is defending option, and you're running option play. You're running plays that are uh, based off what the defense is doing, but they may not necessarily be read triple option plays. They just both Nehemiah and Jasper and Munkin and his offensive coordinator Brent Davis have found that they are more effective with more predetermined called plays. And uh, so there's not as much read triple option. And when I talked to Paul Johnson about it, he said, you know, when I was at Georgia Tech, we probably ran a dozen of the true read triple option plays where the quarterback reads it from start to finish, read the dive key. And then if it's not a fullback give, he's taking it outside, read the pitch key. Johnson even said that at Georgia Tech, and he's the purist. He's the guy that, you know, was the triple option purist and never changed his offense much. But he even said at Georgia Tech, they would only run about a dozen of those a, a, a game. And I think Navy and Army are down to less than double digits on that, which I just find interesting because we hear triple option, triple option, triple option. But a lot of what they're running is not the read triple option. It's the triple option look. There's a lot of elements of it. You're, you're, what you're doing is based off defense is how they defend the triple option. Any thoughts on that, Keenan or Eric? First of all, to really run a true triple, you got to be able to read it. So if there's not, you know, if, we, if, it, if we're having trouble reading it against a particular team, if they're giving us funky looks, um, then you got to do, you got to, as a coach, you have to put your players in the best position to be successful. And sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of times we scheme people. So like, I know a lot of times when I was there, we ran like specific plays for specific looks against teams that a lot that we would draw up on the sideline and then we go run them. So like um, it wasn't it's not it, it really is just about what's going to help us move the ball. Like so I don't think these the coaches are like, oh, we got to run a triple. Like if we run if we're running the dive and we're gashing people on the dive, we're going to run the dive until until you stop it. Or if we run a midline because we we know kind of like how you guys are playing it, we're going to run it until you until you change your defense. So it doesn't matter if triples in play that day, we'll run it. If it's not, we'll find something else. So I think it's just all about what works and what's going to help us move the ball. I mean, I had a really good talk with Paul Johnson, but um, one thing he said that he, and because Nehemiah and Munkin said they all steal from each other. You know, Air, Army's using the tight end now because they like some of the concepts that Air Force has done with the tight end. Uh, Coach Nehemiah said that he and Jasper have talked about whether to incorporate a tight end and they keep coming back to, well, then you got to start recruiting one. You're starting from scratch. So, you know, they feel like the double flex is what gives them a tight end element. Um, but Coach Johnson said something when it's rare to hear him admit that he actually liked something else, someone else figured out. Um, but he called it the quarterback keeper zone blocking scheme. He used the number 98 and 99. Um, which I don't have no idea what the hell that means, but play 98, 99. But he took that from Navy. Navy started running that quarterback option keeper, I guess with Malcolm, uh, with his own blocking scheme. And Georgia Tech started doing it. Uh, well, it couldn't have been Malcolm because he was gone from Georgia Tech when Malcolm was doing that. So I don't know. Maybe it was you, Keenan. 
But um, he said they took that and started using it at Georgia Tech, 98-99. Can you enlighten us, Keenan? Yeah, so that 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 particular play obviously is a different number in in our playbook, but I ran that play so much while I was there. That's, you know, I'd say 75% of the reason why I have the stats that I have because we ran that and you and the thing is like personally I feel like you can't stop it unless you just beat us like beat us up, you know, one on one. But I, Chris Chris Proctor um who is an off uh, not not very talked about, but in 2011, he ran that play really well. He was really good at reading the tackle and knowing when to stretch it, knowing when to cut it up. I watched a ton of film on him, um, especially like getting ready for the Air Force game and stuff, uh, about how to run that play. And we we practiced it a lot. Um, I don't think I want, I don't think Ricky really ran it that much. Um, I saw more film with Chris because Chris was a little more he's a, he's much more shiftier than than um, Ricky. He was almost. He almost had the same type of uh, elusiveness as my as Malcolm. Um, wasn't as fast, but he was pretty he was pretty quick in the trenches. So like, but but my time we ran that play a ton. Um, that was like one of our our favorite plays. So um, that particular play just gives you options, right? Like putting the ball in quarterback hands. You got a lead blocker with the fullback, and you can still deal it. So and then you can run the infinite variations based on how the defense looks. Um, so I don't think Chris and them liked it that much, but. Um, Chris and Noah, they were really, really good at it. We we kind of had a thing going. I just just stayed behind them, and they they helped me out a lot. And uh, but I, I I definitely think that play works as long as you block it up and as long as you you got somebody that can run it. Yeah, and Green is talking about Chris Wayne and Noah Copeland because they had to be the lead blockers and they weren't getting the ball. They were just clearing the way for Keenan. All right, guys, great pod, great discussion. Looking forward to tomorrow at MetLife Stadium. Eric Catani and Keenan Reynolds are already in New York City, raring to go. Hopefully we'll be able to get together at the game out there in the Meadowlands on Saturday. We're going to take this pod out by doing a very abbreviated alumni spotlight, and it'll just be me talking. We don't have anyone coming on because this, this week's alumni spotlight is on Brian Bourgeois, Commander Brian Bourgeois, uh, class of 2001, four-year varsity member of the Navy football program, three-year letterman. Uh, Commander Bourgeois was killed in a Navy SEAL training accident. Well, he died Tuesday. The accident occurred on Saturday. He was in the hospital at Norfolk Centaro General Hospital down in Virginia for four days, getting operations and other procedures, and he didn't make it. He was only uh, 43 years old. Uh, the class of 2001 Brotherhood is devastated. I've talked to Brian Broadwater, who's now the military deputy director of athletics at the Naval Academy. He was a quarterback in 2000, starting quarterback in 2000. He's a 2001 grad, knew Brian really well. He's, their families were extremely close. They spent a lot of time together as families down there in the Virginia Beach area. Um, talked to David Alexander, who was a cornerback at Navy. He and Bourgeois, they called him Bouge. They were extremely tight. When David was going through a divorce here recently, Bourgeois took a week off from his, he's a commander of a SEAL Team 8. That's a pretty big, important job, commander of SEAL Team 8. Uh, he said, I'm taking a week off from coming up there and we're going to move you out of your house into your apartment. I'm going to be there to take care of you. Um, apparently that was the kind of guy Bourgeois was. And it's just, it's been a tough week. At the Naval Academy, we had Brian Broadwater on the Sing Second Sports podcast, and I 
encourage everyone to listen to Sing Second Sports podcast throughout the week. Uh, Army Navy week, there was a podcast every day. They were excellent, incredible guests. But the most recent had Brian Broadwater wrapping it up, talking about Brian Bourgeois and paying tribute to his former teammate and classmate. But uh, a tough loss for the Navy football program, the Navy football brotherhood, the class of 2001 and the Naval Academy. Brian Bourgeois uh, lost at age 43 following injuries suffered in a training accident uh, off Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, So uh, we'll take it out on that. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.